Hey, what's up, Black Knight Nation? Uh, the Black Knight Nation podcast has returned. And the Black Knight Nation podcast is sponsored by Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is a company ran by Joe Ross. He's a former Army fullback. He's a former Army fo football coach, for served in the Army. And we thank Joe Ross uh, and Higher Echelon for sponsoring this podcast. I um, believe we're going to have a relationship continuing with, with Higher Echelon. We really appreciate that. Um, and we welcome our Steve Anderson is here, co-host Steve Anderson, back from some uh, training. And, uh, man, Steve, we took a hiatus a little bit from the podcasting world. My bad. But we brought on a big guest tonight so uh, with our return. So let's introduce uh, 1995 Army football captain uh, jo Joel Davis to the uh, Black Knight Nation podcast. Joel, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks for having me. Great to be here, man. Good to finally meet Steve-O in person. So, so Joel... Give it to me. Uh, uh, Sal had mentioned maybe this was the first time, but I don't know if you remember, Benny K brought you to the prep school, and you were one of the largest people I've ever seen in my life sexy. at that point in my life. Sexy, one of the sexiest people you ever saw. Yeah, largest. Please, please use the proper vernacular. Smooth, you had that nice, smooth, trim goatee going on. This was I had to shave that. I had to shave that once I had my little baby girl because I was I kiss her cheeks so much. I was roughing them up. <laughs> well, I had to shave the goatee yeah, so, for my babies. Um, yeah, this is our first time actually conversating. Uh, Joel, um, you know, big fan. Uh, you know, Benny K is a huge mentor of mine. Seen a lot of his film. Great dude, man. Exo Facto, uh, your film. And, um, you know, you guys were the, the last leading charge for that for a long time uh, up until uh, my senior season when we finally got uh, back on the winning yeah. record. But, uh, so but you, yeah, were we, I, I you were at the prep school? You were at the prep school when I gave that talk? I was uh I was 18, 17, I was 18, maybe 19 years old when you showed up at the prep school Ooh. in Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. Yeah. Uh Benny K brought you here. He warned us about your personality. And uh you were still very jacked. It seemed like you could still throw around four or five pretty easy. And uh you just talked to us about uh, you know, and, and Joel, remember, I'm I'm an 18-year-old, you know, boy trying to become a man, listening to a guy who's been there and done that. So I, I was dialed in. Um, and I just remember you talking to us about, you know, commitment, dedication, and teamwork uh, were really the three things that you brought up and just how, hey, don't – just don't let the guy next to you down, okay? Like, do the set, do the rep in the weight room, do the extra – the time in the film room. But more so than anything, don't let the guy next to you – next to you down. Um, and, and just kind of – really lived the brotherhood uh, as I as I got to know it um, as I got older. Anyway, uh, yes, I, I have, we have met in person, but this will be the first time we actually, you know, maybe I'm not a timid 18-year-old where I can actually talk to you now. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, that was a good speech. Uh, I remember uh, coming down to prep school. At, that, was a good, that was a good opportunity, man, the prep school, Fort Monmouth. That's old school, man. I thought, I figured you'd probably be too young to remember something like that, but Fort Monmouth, man, good times when we were down there at prep school. But coming down and talking to you guys, man, you guys were a good group of guys, very receptive. And Benny K, man, Benny K is top shelf, man. That's a great dude. I love that dude. I, I Joe, I can't, man, I, I don't know. Uh, if West Point would have stuck, I don't know. I don't know where I would be, but um, Ben, Coach Ben Kalwika was huge in my, mm -hmm. you know, going from my 17, 18 year old senior in high school to 18, 19 year old, uh, like understanding what 
is really going around in the world. I, I still remember our first defensive, our first defensive uh, set. He he called it Operation Anaconda. That was our first game plan, and uh, you know I, I ended up serving in the 101st, so I learned all about that later on. But uh, yeah, uh, you see know. now you see you were lucky to have Benny K when you were at prep school. Uh, we had Coach Noto and Coach Al Leon as the GAs when I were there. But the sad thing is that after the football season, they leave. Um, and when I was at prep school, I mean, we had a great, great uh, prep school class, great team of guys, had a good season. But then so many guys leave. We had guys leave, went to, you know, some double-A schools. We had a good inside linebacker that went to um, Purdue. Um we had some we had some game changers that left, and had they stayed with us, I mean, I'd like to think that we could have done even bigger and better things when we were at the academy. But um, a good story that uh, when we were at prep school, and um, I think it was after we lost our linebacker, he went to uh, Purdue. He he told us he was leaving and going to Purdue. And do you remember those big round tables they had in the in the mess hall? Oh yeah. So we're sitting around there eating it, and the football players naturally congregated together. And I said, you know what? That's it. I mean, because I was already all in on West Point. I was so tunnel vision on West Point. My oldest brother was a three-year letterman. He graduated in 74. My brother Dan, he was captain of the 92 team. So all three of us all played Army football. So we were all in. So there was no choice for me. I'm going to West Point. And so I remember to the linemen or to the other Army players sitting at the big round table, I said, look, He's leaving, but you know what? I'm staying. At the end of the day, we all need to make a commitment to each other, and this is where we're going to be. We're staying here. We're sticking together for the next four years when we go to the academy. And we took one of the uh, the sugar containers, and we we always we had this dream that we were going to the Sugar Bowl, even though at the time we didn't realize it probably wasn't possible for us. But I said there was 11 of us left, and we said we're the 11 from heaven, and we're all making a commitment to each other. We're sticking this out. We're seeing it through, and we're going. To, we're going to go to the Sugar Bowl, and I still got it. It's up in uh, it's up in my closet. I got that same sugar bowl. We put tape around it. We wrote sugar bowl and the year on it, 90, 1995. And that was our commitment to each other that we were going to see it through from start to finish for the next four years. Um, Joel, so that, 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 that is such a, an awesome story because it, it, it's – I'm sure most teams go through that, especially mm -hmm. successful teams at the prep school. What, do, you get, do you remember your record at the prep school? I think we lost two games. I don't, I don't so, remember. Right. So you were seven and two, eight and two. Yeah. More success than failure. At, at oh, the no school, doubt. Right. No doubt. No yeah. Doubt. So, um, so Joel, uh, I got in trouble at the prep school. Imagine that. Um, and I was like, man, you know, I drank. Big deal. Like, why are they going to restrict me to my room? Why am I going to be? The only places I can go is to get food and to work out like this is yeah. ridiculous so i i opened up my recruiting and oh uh, he, benny k had had something to say about that so he brought me in and joel he told me that story i remember it because he sat across from me in his room he told me that story about how guys had 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 enough like yes you're always going to lose guys at prep school because it's a it's our way to like – it's almost like a free redshirt year for a lot of those guys. Um, and he just said, you know, famous Betty K quote, what are you prepared to do? Amen. Right? Amen. What are you prepared to do? And I uh, I was a little, um, you know, 
because me and my dad had a similar conversation. Had I never gotten in trouble, would I have wanted to leave, right? Everything was going good. I had a great prep school year. Um, and he and I remember he came down and he told me, what are you prepared to do? And you know what? That was the day I committed to West Point, Joel. Amen. And I had a similar conversation with my team that said, hey, I'm here. And I promise you, if you guys all stay, we'll have success. But we all got to stay. We all got to make a commitment to each Amen. other. Um, you know, Josh McNary, Donovan Travis, all these guys, you know, Chip Bowden, uh, Pat Mealy, Kingsley Ahe, all these guys that had uh, huge, um, huge, Rich King, huge positions on our, our senior season. Um, but it was, what are you prepared to do? What are you prepared to sacrifice? Yeah, um, Listen, you got some good news, some good players, man. Benny K telling me that story about, um, you know, him hearing of that story, right, of the 95, uh, of your prep school, of like, hey, we're all going to sit at this table and we're all going to look at each other and say, hey, we're, we're committing right now. Yeah. Right now. I didn't have a sugar. You know, I, I kind of <laughs> knew Sugar Bowl was kind of in, in 2000, 2006. But um, we always said we go on bowling. Uh, I wish I had a yeah, bowl. You guys bowl. pulled it off, man. You guys definitely pulled it off your senior year, man. I remember watching you guys play, man. You were a stud, bro. You, uh, Nary, man, you guys were studs, bro. You guys, had, you guys had some good horses, man. Some good players. Yeah, no. Um, but it was from that prep school year, though, Joe. And you yeah. know, man. You lose players. You lose players at prep school, and you lose guys your freshman year, and you lose guys your – You know what's funny? It's funny you talk about that because um, once in a while I see in, in some of the Twitter feeds where they talk about uh, some of the guys that are leaving the academies or some of the guys that are leaving the prep school, and they keep – we just had this conversation, me and a bunch of my guys from my era. Uh, we just had this group – we're on a group text, and we had this conversation that these guys who are leaving before their junior year or they're leaving after prep school – and they say, I'd like to thank the coaches. I'd like to thank my brothers on the team. How are you How are you calling them your brothers on the team if you're leaving? How are you calling them your brothers on the team if you're leaving? And half of, half of them, they're going to go what, to a double-A school or they're not going to have the same opportunity? How are you, you going to look them in, in, in the eye and say, these are my brothers. I'd like to thank my brothers. And, oh, by the way, I'm checking out and leaving, leaving the door. Man, yeah. I, you ain't my brother. Get your ass out of here. Yeah, Joel. So it's really – uh, it comes from um, uh, they're just naive, right? They don't really know yet what it is to be a brother, right? Totally agree. Um, and and they, it's a, it's almost like a catchphrase to them, you know? Well, they don't have the long-term perspective. Everybody thinks they're going to the NFL. And, and dude, I'm a living testament that, dude, the NFL stands for not for long. Yep. You know, even someone like your boy McNair, I mean, he played a couple years, but, dude, it's not for long. You ain't yep. playing long. If you're not yep. one of those guys making – if you're not one of the top 1, 2, 3% making real money, dude, you're cannon fodder. You are cannon fodder. They don't even know your name. So these guys, they come to the academy, They come, whether they leave at the prep school, they leave at the academy, they think they're going to go somewhere else, they're going to have a, a, an easier pathway to the NFL. You don't, bro. You don't. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of always play the um, game and stay at the academy. Yeah, I always kind of look at it as like, regardless of, um, you know, it, it, look, at, at this point, right, in your time, you didn't have it, but if you're good enough, you can go to the NFL from West yeah. Point now. Agreed. Right? Huge, totally huge perk. Right? So there is no, there is no, oh, well, I'm going to go somewhere else because it's my only chance at the NFL. That, that, 
that is out of it. And you're exactly right. Most of these guys go to one double A. Um, they might go to a, a big East, maybe an ACC um, uh, school. Um, but they really don't know, you know, you, you don't really understand the brotherhood until totally you've gone through the brotherhood totally the agree. entire time. And then you're kind of like, Oh, this is what it's all about. Totally agree. You and you know, at the end of the day, part of you, you can't fault them because you're talking about a, a 19, 20, right. 21 year old kid, dude. Think about how, how stupid you were back then. I mean, dude, I mean, I was probably the biggest douchebag out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, you're so flipping young, man. You don't know your ass from a hole in the ground, bro. So now, I don't know, man. Now, Everyone has a different path. I had a similar uh, uh, talking point about this where, um, you know, you, you just you, you can't fault these kids because they just don't know yet. Right. They don't have they don't have the perspective, especially, you know, we recruit, you know, West Point's one of the most diverse, you know, football teams. You know, it's not just South, it's not just Southern Florida, Alabama, exactly. Georgia, right? It, it's all over the country. I mean, we we recruit hard, and we try to that's find what, guys. That, that's one of our best strengths, man. That's one of our best strengths as a football team, and as a player, having dudes all over the country. It's like, man, seriously, you you could probably travel anywhere in the country, and you know you're going to have someone that you can connect with. You know, you could always find a place to sleep at one of your boys' house, even oh, if yeah. he's there. His parents will let you there, whatever, man. That's, that's one of the best things about Army is having guys from all over the country. Yeah, uh, Joe, I don't know, I don't know how many uh, how many buddies' houses you you crashed at, but I'll tell you what, I uh, I ended up in Pennsylvania, New York, yeah. Massachusetts, Florida. I mean, Texas. So I was fortunate because um, since I'm only two and a half hours away, I mean, we used to. We used to stack my my house at home. I mean, I think the record I think the record was either twenty four or twenty six guys that we brought home on a weekend. And where we lived, my mom we we owned this. Uh, it was a, a a three or four bedroom or three or four unit house. The whole downstairs is where my mom my mom lived, and there was uh, three units upstairs. So literally, we would literally get cots, and they'd sleep up in the, one of the units. They'd come down. My mom was Italian. I got four sisters. They would cook up a storm. I mean, we ate like fat men. Even when we, even when we brought skinny people home, we ate well. We all ate like fat men. <laughs> yeah. Where, where exactly was that in? Uh, was that in New York or New Jersey? Yeah, Binghamton. Binghamton, New York. Yeah. Okay. About hour south of Syracuse. Tell us a little bit about how you got to West Point, Joel, and how your like your journey to West Point, recruiting wise and stuff. Well, I guess you had the connections, right? You had the Army connections already, so. So. My oldest brother graduated 74. So my mom and dad got married young. Um, later, we'll see. I'm the youngest of seven. So my oldest brother is 21 years older than me. So they had five kids and then they decided to go on a hiatus. And then they had two accidents, Dan and Joel. So they had the older five, my oldest brother, then four sisters. So my oldest brother is 21 years older than me. And uh, I just grew up knowing only West Point. They would my sis, my older sisters who would go to West Point when my oldest brother was playing. They'd all share the stories about how awesome the Army games were going to West Point. And so I just grew up looking at Army football programs and I sucked as a football player. I was trash. I was the skinniest week. I was a woodchuck. So um, but somehow I just West Point was all I knew. 
And so I just knew I was going to go to West Point. And like my brother Dan, so my brother Dan, he starts, he gets recruited in high school. My brother Dan actually committed to Navy. My brother Dan actually committed to Navy. And when he did that, I just, I wouldn't talk to him. But I told him, I said, you're a traitor. You're a traitor. It's like, there's two things. People people could say a lot of things about me, good, bad, or indifferent. I don't care. But two things they always got to admit. Number one, I'm mama's boy. And number two, I'm all Army. I'm all Army football. It is what it is. So my brother actually committed to Navy after he went to a Navy trip. He committed, and I wouldn't talk to him. I'm like, you're a traitor. How could you do that? That's a, that's a slap in mom's face. How do you do that? Well, he ended up, he already committed to going to, taking a visit to Army. And so uh, he takes the visit to Army. And when Navy found out that he was going to go visit uh, Army, Navy is just lighting up the phone, calling the house, harassing my mother to the point where she's upset. My head coach was upset. My head coach said, you need to reevaluate this, Dan. And Dan goes and takes his trip to West Point, decommits, ends up committing to Army. Now there's peace and tranquility in my household. <laughs> so my brother, he ends up after I ended up playing varsity as a sophomore. How? I don't know, because I just sucked. I was trash. I was. But as soon as the football season was over and my brother was going to be leaving, graduating, I knew it was time for me to step in the spotlight. So. I just, I just camped out in the weight room. I mean, you want to talk about I'm absolute product of the weight room. So God gave me some natural ability. That's awesome. But if I didn't have a weight room, I never would have made it. I was right. So right when football season was over, my sophomore year, I was 6'3, 176, skinny as a rail. I grew an inch over the year. I got to 205. I started at tight end and defensive end. Um and I just knew I was going to Army. I don't know how, but I just knew. And so what happened was, let me let me backtrack for a second. I was seven, I believe I was seven years old. And my second oldest sister, Lucia, woke me up early in the morning, woke my brother Dan up, and she, she kidnapped us. She took us on a trip. Now, I don't know where we're going, but all of a sudden we end up at West Point. And my, <laughs> my sister, Lucia, is like the second mother. She's awesome. And all, all she did was invest in Dan and me our entire lives. So I'm seven years old, and I'm sitting in the car. I wake up. We're at West Point. And she takes us to Army. She takes us to – now, I already grew up only knowing Army. But now I'm actually there. And every single time I went to Army, I could go right now to Army. I could go to the parade ground. I could show you exactly where I stood and where I was standing. And I'm watching the, the passing review before the game. And I remember saying to myself, I don't know what all this is, but I know it's special and I want to be part of it. So it further solidified this is where I need to be at the age of seven. Now, how the hell I was going to get there, I had no idea because I sucked at football. My grades weren't the greatest. It is what it is. We go to the Army game, go to the football game that day. It was awesome. But so that solidified the deal. So every time I go back to West Point, I can show you exactly where I was standing and what I was thinking when I saw it at the age of seven. So um, my junior year, I ended up playing, doing well. Now it's my senior year. I get up to, to, to 225. I'm big man on campus, all that kind of good stuff. Now I'm getting recruited. And by any measure, I had to be the stupidest, dumbest recruit possible because as schools would come in, I would literally tell them I'm going to Army. I mean, how flipping stupid is that? Because what if I don't get in? My grades weren't the best. It's like, I mean, my, 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 if, if it wasn't for my high school coach, he forced me to go on, on visits. I remember being at, so we, we go to, Penn, I go to Penn State, right? So I'm at Penn State 
and they just take us to the, to the new facilities. They made this lounge area, the locker room. They expanded this. We're on the 50-yard line. They're ex ex they're expanding Beaver Stadium, so now to push them over 100,000, I'm like, oh, wow, it's cool. It's impressive. I'm going to Army. I mean, I'm telling this. Coach Williams, the guy who's recruited me, I'm like, yeah, it's, oh, it's awesome. Oh, how, how do you enjoy it? Oh, it's beautiful. It's awesome. Yeah, now if I get accepted to Army, I'm going to go to Army. I mean, what a douchebag am I? Who does that? Because what if I don't get in? I'm burning bridges. I don't even know it. I'm so stupid. So then uh, Coach Seymour was recruiting me from Army. Coach Seymour actually graduated two years before my brother Ted. So he played with my brother Ted. So Coach Seymour recruited my brother Dan, recruited me. And, uh, you know, it's like when I took my visit, my official visit to Army, it's like I'm home. This is where I got to go. Then they told me, like, hey, you know what? Your grades are borderline. You really got to go to the prep school. I looked at my my senior football schedule as a, a and I never I didn't even heard about the prep school. Never no one ever told me anything about it. And then I look at my senior schedule: Notre Dame, Washington, Boston College. There was Syracuse at that time. They they had dropped out before we got there. I mean, it was a stacked schedule. I said, "Oh hell yeah, I'll go to the prep school because I wanted to play Notre Dame." Because I grew up loving Notre Dame. Now now no one's allowed to speak their name around me because I hate them with a the passion because I lost to them. Joel, it's so Joel. I'm the same way. I grew up loving Notre Dame, and I fucking I, I hate them now. So <laughs> you talk to me about Notre Dame. So when yeah. I was coaching high school football, I was coaching high school football, and I, players knew if if you could be a Notre Dame fan, I don't care. But if you come through in that weight room, you come in that locker room, a that shirt better be inside out, or you better change it. You don't want yeah. to see Notre Dame. Yeah, I I still remember when I was a kid. Uh, because I believe, so I was, I was, uh, I was born in '88, and I believe Notre Dame won the national championship yeah. in '88. Watched it, man. Loved it. Chris Zorich. Yeah. So I had this teddy bear, but if you, if you, it was like a Velcro inside out, and if you put it inside out, it became a Notre Dame football. So you mm -hmm. could reverse it into a teddy bear, and then a Notre Dame football. And I remember I had that. I had that. All, you know, all the time. I even took, uh, I didn't take a, a visit. I, I went to go see Notre Dame yeah. and um, it wasn't like an official visit or anything, but I still was like, uh, you know, I was like, oh man, this place is awesome. Blah, blah, blah. But when I took my visit to Army, I was like, oh yeah. yeah. I, I called my dad on that, what was it, that Saturday? I mean, I slept on the ground in the barracks. Uh, with the boys, you know, and I yeah. called my dad that Saturday and I was like, Hey, I'm coming here. And he's like, all right, calm down. Let's get home. Let's talk about it. Like, uh, I mean, if there's, if anyone ever writes a book about what not to do when you're being recruited, I'll write the book. Cause it's like, I remember I called you, <laughs> I'm at Syracuse. I'm at Syracuse. First of all, Syracuse, absolute crap hole of probably half, at least east, east of the Mississippi. Syracuse is a crap hole. I'm telling so I'm up there and they're walking us out from one area to another. We came through the weight room, walking us across and going around campus. And I'm seeing this is this is when tie is making their comeback. So I'm seeing this 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 student protest, all the long-haired hippie chicks and the tie-dyes and the signs. And I, I just remember seeing this. I'm like, dude, I could never I, I'm gonna beat their ass. I get thrown. I'm like, I'm literally thinking this thing through. Like, this is not this is not the environment for me. 
So, like, you know, you'd be polite to the coaches. Like, oh, yeah, yes, sir, yes, sir, JK. Oh, yeah, oh, very nice. This is not why after my teeth, it's an absolute crap hole. Uh, and I don't want to be here, but I'm going to West Point. <laughs> and it, at this point in time, it's not like I even got offered or anything. It's like, I'm going to West Point. You know, I was, or I didn't even have confirmation that acceptance or anything. So, but, man. Yo, you're I, living proof that if you only have a plan A, that's all that matters. I, right? There's some truth to that, bro. There's some, definitely some truth to that. You got, it's a, there you is got no plan B. The reason you don't plan for a plan B is because it plans A the only way it's going to happen. You got to will it to happen and burn the bridges, bro. And the other stories, Joel, about visits that you told them you were going to Army. Any other schools that you had? I took I took some. So the one double A visit I took, I don't remember. I know Coach Dinehart, my high school coach, made me take it. Otherwise, I wasn't going to do it. I went down to James Madison, and the coach there, like, he wanted me so bad that he, he said, hey, listen, I, I, got a, I got a plane ticket. How about I fly back with you, and I'll come back, and I'll meet with your mother. And I, and I literally, like, it was like an awkward moment. I'm like, I, I, I'm like, come back with me for what? Like, is this some, like, what? I, it was just, it was awkward. Like, why would you fly back with me? I couldn't understand this. I was confused. But, uh. That, but the same thing. I told him, too. I'm like, why would you fly back? I'm going to Army. I mean, that's how stupid I was. It's just, I was the biggest douchebag, man. Absolute douchebag. What was it like when you had made your decision and then, you know, you start transitioning, going to prep school, and then, you know, getting ready early in your career um, at West Point? You know, uh, like I say, I am definitely the product of the weight room. If it wasn't for the weight room, I mean, so it's like, once I knew I was going to Army, it was just lift, lift, lift. I just, I didn't always know, know what I was doing. I didn't have a father. I grew up, my father was, I mean, they got divorced when I was seven. So he, I had an absentee father. Uh, it's like I say, for me, I like, like I would, eat, I would tell my high school players, when I coach them, you got to learn to flip the switch. And that means like, you could have joking around with your boys, whatever, but the minute you get in the weight room, you got to flip the switch. Uh, as soon as football season was over my sophomore year, I just flipped the switch. And I literally just – I camped out in the gym every day. I didn't always know what I was doing. I'd watch people read things. I just knew I needed to lift heavy objects, pick them up, put them down, and get bigger and eat more food and that type of deal. So – and the same thing when I was at prep school. Steve, you remember that that gym, that ghetto gym? And they'd lock it down. So there was times we used to sneak out. Some of us would sneak out, and we would go and crawl through the window to go to the gym. Uh, at, this is after the football season because then they'd have restrictions. Couldn't go here. Couldn't go. We used to sneak out and go do it, you know. So in terms of preparation for me, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I got to be honest with the whole world. Everyone watching this, if you think I was a great student, I wasn't. I was supposed to be the goat, and I got cheated out of it. Uh, it was very disappointing. <laughs> but I could lift a lot of weight. I was I was a strong dude. Like my senior year. Uh, Mr. Hall and all the guys and the trainers, they always said that I was the first guy at Army that was over 300 pounds because I played my senior year about 305. And I was, man, I was just strong. And I just I just felt it. I felt like, uh, you know, like I could walk through a wall or something. I was just strong. And like Coach Swanger and all them, I mean, I was their guinea pig. Whenever they want to try a new piece of equipment or a new workout routine, I was always the guinea pig because I was the gym rat. Um, but... Uh, yeah, man, for terms of what I did once I got uh, accepted and committed for me, it's not like I went and studied harder because I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't. 
I just went and lifted harder <laughs> and tried to become a better football no, player. No, I mean, and and Joel, you, you bring up a good point. It's um, I don't know if I would have ever ended up being the player I was if I went to a regular college with a lot of distractions because, yeah. you know, just like you talk about how, you know, you weren't the best recruit or whatever, but it, it sounds like if you did go somewhere else, there'd be some distractions out there. Mm. That that would keep you from the right. It would keep you from the the mission or the or the focus. And you know, my parents say it. My wife says it. My sister says it. All the people that know me the closest, are like, see, if you had to go to West Point for you to reach your full potential or, or reach yeah. a, a potential, because you would have been too distracted anywhere else. But the gym was an outlet, man. No, no, no question. You know, about that was that was. But see, I also. I need, I need, I need structure. I need discipline. Not that I'm a, not, not that I, I per, I mean, I'm, look, I'm 100% self-motivated, no doubt, but I need structure. I need discipline. And I'll give you a classic example. When I got to, um, when I got to Cincinnati uh, in 96, I had to leave after training camp to go to Fort Sill. But when I was in Cincinnati, that year, it was literally Dave Shula was the head coach. Now, Dave Shula was in his young 30s. I think at the time he was the youngest coach in the NFL. And he's out there running routes with the players. I mean, he was like a friend of the players. And I couldn't operate in an environment like that. When I got released from the military and I went back and joined Cincinnati, it was Bruce Coslett was the head coach. This is a guy who's off in the corner smoking cigarettes between drills. I couldn't operate under that. When I got to in, uh, in, uh, Indianapolis, you had Jim Mora. Jim Mora was an a-hole. He was he was uh, a former drill sergeant before he went to uh, back in the day. He was in the Marines. He was a former drill sergeant. A lot of people don't know that. He was strict. You don't do it right. Run it again. Guess what? I was home. That's what I needed. I couldn't have the on the the. It was like taking that trip to Syracuse and you see all the the loon tunes walking the streets. I can't have that. <laughs> So I needed that structure and that discipline. Not that I, not that I'm, you know, I need the external motivation, but that's where I thrive. I do better there. So there's no question. I was playing much better in Indianapolis than I was in Cincinnati. It's just an environment I do better. I came from a hard structured uh, um, high school. Then you go to Army, structured. And then when I went to the NFL, I could, Cincinnati was a bad place for me. Indianapolis was 10 times better. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, um, I'm a product of the weight room as well, Joe. Like I'm a, I'm an undersized, uh, linebacker, but man, I thrived in the weight room. I just, I was going to be stronger. I was going to be faster. Um, and I think, I think a lot of it, right. You, you talk about, you were at what? Six, three, one seventy five going into your junior year, sophomore year. Six, three, one seventy six, And then I, I grew an inch and I just kept, I probably averaged about 20 pounds each right, year. But you finished, right. Yeah. You finished your career at 305. Like that doesn't happen unless you're intrinsically motivated. When I got when I got discharged from the army, I was 6'4, 333. And I was a tank. <laughs> I was strong So when yeah. I was in, um so when I went back to Cincinnati, I was always averaging about 330. And then they wanted us a little bit lighter in Indianapolis. So I was down, I was usually averaged around 315, so 15-pound difference, but I mean, when I so that was so I got an honorable this. You know how David Robinson was got too tall for the for the Navy. I got too wide for the Army. So <laughs> I got I got an honorable discharge for being too big. 
because height weight standards you're supposed to be 6'4, 222. I was 6'4, 333. So, yeah, that's not, I don't even know that's a real thing, man. <laughs> I think, I think they made that up for you so you could go do other things, probably, probably. Because I, Joel, I'll tell you this right now I'm 5'10. I'm supposed to weigh 184, 189, right? I'm still every bit of 235. Like, I still play at middle linebacker. I still run five miles, 40 minutes at middle linebacker size. So You're 10 times tougher than me, bro, because <laughs> you can run five miles. I'll run about, I don't know, five feet. Then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rupture my spleen. Now, hey, Joel, you talk about it, too. Um, I, got to, I, got, I got the privilege of playing with one of the most um, – one of the most God-given gifted people is Ali Villanueva, right? 6'10". He played at 333, 335 his junior year, shrunk down to 275 to play wide receiver because Coach Ellerson said, hey, you can't be that big tackle in the in the triple triple option uh, offense, right? Uh, so I got to find a different position. He ended up doing it. Uh, Ali played for the Ravens last year. I know there's some – some trade talks uh, with him right now and, and stuff, but um, same Let's kind of thing. Him. Ali was uh, Ali he was, was a uh, you know Ranger Regiment platoon mm-hmm. leader, served in the 10th Mountain Division as a platoon leader in the infantry. Right, he agreed. You know, me and him talk quite frequently, um, especially now he's he was a Raven. I'm a diehard Ravens fan, so. That was uh that was easy. We had him on the podcast. Sal got him on. It was great. Um, but he's he's the same way. Structure, right? We, now there's we a, drive, you know, he's someone who's freaking man. That dude. He's he's first of all being six ten. You dude, what do you do with that? But hey. what's funny is that we, my brother and I, my brother Dan, we had gone to one of the games when you guys were playing. He comes out and we were standing. I know exactly where we were standing. Um, where you guys because we where you guys came out of the tunnel is different than where we did when I was there. So where you guys came out of the tunnel, we were standing in those stands, we could see him coming out. So he came out. I said to my brother, I said, dude, what in the hell is this guy doing at receiver? I said, he needs to be playing left tackle in the NFL. Boom. What's he end up doing? Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, dude, yeah, he's, I he's, actually he's, uh we business. got to uh we got to we got to link up uh, last May, so he, almost uh, almost a year ago. Uh, he finally, you know, he just came to Maryland. Uh, I took him. Uh, we went to my brother's restaurant uh, in Annapolis, and it just so happened to be like whatever a day Navy does or whatever. There was all these midshipmen walking around, and we were just looking at him like, man. You guys are so soft. It's not like it's not yeah. even close. Like I me and that, Ali, it's funny. I go to I go to hug him because I hadn't seen him in three years, four years. I go to give him a hug. You know, my wife's right. I'm like Ali, get off. I mean, dude, all right, you're a foot taller than me. I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, what I mean, like get off. That's of this. a big dude, man. That's a big dude. It's funny, so, you Navy man. Because I'll, I'll tell you one thing, man. Is with us losing the Navy, Navy is always unacceptable. Losing the Navy is unacceptable. And I can, that's one of the best things that we did is that we always beat Navy when I was there. We beat Navy all four years by a total of six points, two years by two, two years by one. So every game came down to the end, but you got to pull it out. So I'm going to tell you right now, if there's one thing, I love Army football. I love um, uh, Coach Munkin and everything. Love it. There's one thing that needs to happen. And I don't watch a whole lot of press conferences or anything like that, but I saw that one punk uh, middle linebacker there 
I think you guys pronounce it Fagu. However you want to pronounce it, I don't care. But at that end, if you you seen that in that press conference where he said, where Army, they say they're the last of the hard, he, and he said they ain't the last of the hard. They're a little brother. You catch that? Okay, that needs to be played on loop. So every time you walk in the locker room, every time you walk in the weight room, that little snippet needs to be played on loop. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if there's something that would have fired me up for the upcoming season, that's it. Some Navy dude saying I'm your little brother. Nah, homie. Yeah. It, it, um, you know, as guys that believe we're intrinsically motivated, that we don't need any external motivation, uh, thank you, Fago, um, for that. I mean, Sal, me and you talked about that. I, I couldn't believe the audacity of Fago to just go on a press conference, to, to talk publicly, you know, you want to say that in your locker room? You want to say that, yeah. you know, to guys that, that think you guys are hot shit, whatever, your four and nine season or whatever it was, right? But to go on and just media clip, you know, the last of the hard, what what, what have you done? You it's not the first, I not the first time you did it. Something I like respect it. that you did it because you gave me that video clip so I can play it on a loop. Now, but I'm gonna make you pay for it. Now, granted, he's leaving. Okay, he's he, not yeah, he's going to the NFL. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, maybe. I mean, that, I would be playing that on loop, man. That would that would fire me up, man. Because if there's well, one thing, a little a little uh, a little uh, admission here, I went I went back and started looking at how good Fago was. He's not very impressive. I don't know if if I'm if I'm an outlier. If I don't if I don't know what NFL talent is or even college talent is, but I did not think he was very good at playing linebacker. And, I, you know, I like to believe that I, I know a little bit about it. He, um, he did play in that all-star game and had a big hit that was on social media, but we'll see what happens. Is, is he going to get drafted? I don't think so. We'll see what happens. Um, I thought yeah, Nolan I, Cockrell was going to get drafted. Say, I can honestly say I don't um, – I only watched him play once, and that was against Army because I don't watch Navy. I mean, that, I know, like, if you watch the Army Navy game, all the all the uh, the pregame, all halftime, all the announcers talk about how Army and Navy they're on different teams, but then we're brothers after the game. No, we're not. I'm not your friend. I'm never going to be your friend. You can hate me because I hate you. I don't care. I'm not going to dine and break bread with you. Same thing goes for Air Force. The only time, the only time I'll root for Navy is when they play Notre Dame. And the reason why is because I beat Navy four times. Mm. So had I not beat Navy, maybe my attitude would be different. But who you got? Who you got when Navy plays Air Force? Uh, I still hate Air Force. I got. I'll, I'll root for Navy more than Air Force. It's, it's because just, Sal, it, it holds true no I, matter no matter who you are, no matter what decade you play. We just Air Force is just so different. It's just you know, like man, we are. Airport There's even there. more arrogance from Air Force than there is from Navy. Fully agree. Fully agree. Yeah. The one thing I did respect about Air Force this year, man, they had those big two uh, interior guards. I mean, they were they embraced the fat man at Air Force. I, I mean, you cannot have those big 320, 330 pound guards and not say you don't appreciate fat people because I mean, but you're talking about when I was at West Point, we started the Fat Man's Club. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, you know, Sal, and I'd be interested if, uh, you know, this is kind of blasphemy right now, but I'd be interested to hear if if anybody thinks Army is arrogant like Navy, like 
Army Army players truly believe Air Force are just truly arrogant mm-hmm. players through and through. Navy, we just don't like. Right, we just they're just you got respect there. You got you got respect with Navy a little bit, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'd be interested if there's a if there's a uh, an Air Force or a Navy player that would talk about Army's arrogance. I just I just don't see it. I don't see I, it at all. I think there would be because I think Army, to be honest with you, I think in the last couple of years, minus the you know the one season where they struggle a little bit, plays with swag, right? They play with some swag, Steve, a little bit, right? Those guys are out there making plays, and some guys are, hey, after after a good play, they celebrate. You know, you got your your secondary guys who – Malcolm Morrison's and the Markel Broughton's who, who play with it a certain yeah, amount but of energy. Making, that energy. making yeah. statements and chirping after a play is different than going in front of the media, right? It. I just I don't see Army players go in front of the media and just kind of chirping away at at Navy and Air Force, but you know, I, yeah, we'll I, you know what? Real quick, I remember right when I was covering the team, right, Victor Eugenie, and I used to do these questions. Um, the same questions on Army Air Force week, I asked like Chad Hall of Air Force and Victor Eugenie of Na- of Army, and what makes um the teams different. And Eugenie said something to the effect, "Well, in the summers we're training, and they're either like marching or behind a desk or something like that." You know, right. the Air Force, right? That was his thing. And he was, you know, you know, Victor. I mean, he was he was the character. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Me and, so Vic, that, me and Vic were captains together, and I remember that because when you did what Vic did, he was out in the field, and when you did what the other guy did, he was like doing like, uh, what do you call it? Oh my God, it's like. In it's like enclosure uh, golf where you hit the golf ball like into uh, a thing and it tells you how far it goes. Anyway, Joe, back back to how long back to the um, how long rivalry and everything. Uh, One thing I always ask uh, previous players is kind of the the transition from when they went from freshman. To, and sophomore to now junior and senior kind of lead kind of like following how the team went to now leading where the team needed to go um and that transition uh you know you're at 95 captain so you know it's awesome but we all know that's a that's a that's a by committee type deal um so if if you can't kind of talk to us about our transition from you know, when you went from like a, an underclassman to an upperclassman and, you know, what 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 changed? What stayed the same um, intensity-wise, so, coaching-wise, any anything like that? When uh, – it's funny, man. So when I was – I lettered as a plebe. I think there was like uh, – I don't know. I think there were like three or four of us tops that lettered as, as plebes. I played in, you know, probably half the games uh, as a plebe. Because I, I came in as so so when I was at prep school, when I came up and met with Coach Sutton, he said, "Hey, do you want to stay at tight end or do you want to play defensive end with your brother?" I said, "I'll play defensive end." So I made the transition. Now, when I was at prep school, I was a tight end, and ironically enough, as a tight end, I won the lineman of the year award, which p- pissed off all the other linemen. But hey, I could block my ass off. It is what it is. So. Um, so he asked me, do you want to play the end or with your brother? Or do you want to play tight end still? I said, I'm going to go, I'll go the end. So that's the first. So I went, played the end. And um, one of the coolest things is that uh, that Army Navy game, um, 
we were losing. We ended up, we were losing by, if I recall correctly, we were losing by 19 going into the fourth quarter. But what happened, so we're getting kind of like smacked around pretty good that whole first half. We come out the second half. And this is Navy game, the biggest stage that we got year to date. And I had already played in a couple games, but nothing, you know, overwhelmingly long. But uh, this time, um, they put me in pretty much right after the half. They put me in. So I'm playing alongside my brother. And uh, he's at he's at right defensive end on my left. And so um, so I come out, and I'm like, dude, like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. All I know is I can't get blown up, and I can't get driven off the ball. And then it was like the second play I was in, I veered, went across the tackle's face, made a tackle for a loss. And I'm like, dude, I'm okay, I'm warmed up. Let's go. And so after that series, I'm on the sideline. Now, mind you, my brother, he's team captain. He's a senior. Well, the guy who uh, his best friend, Chris Kaczynski, he was the other, he was the tackle who was ahead of me. So I, I kind of backed up uh, the Chris Kaczynski. And um, so after I played that series and I got a little taste of it, uh, my, um, my, we were, it's ready to, we, offense comes out, they do three and out, whatever. And then they end up, um, sending the defense back out. But before, so Chris Kaczynski puts his hand on my chest and says, Hey, don't worry. I got this. I'm back in. Well, I already have a taste of it. So I'm not going out like that. So I said to the defensive coordinator, I said, coach Dornboss, I said, who do you want? Do you want me or him? He puts his headset down and he calls up the Perry fuel, the defensive line. And it seemed like it turned me to get an answer. <laughs> he goes, Perry, who do you want? And it seemed like an eternity. I'm like, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. And so finally he flips it up. He goes, David Sheeran. I'm like, boom. So I go in, I end up finishing the game. And uh, we end up coming back and we win. Um, we invest the year that we talk about. We had to beat Navy twice because with 12 seconds left, we kick a 44-yard field goal. Pat Malcolm nails it right down the middle. They throw a flag for a delay of game. They back it up. He kicks it again for 49. We end up winning. So my brother is leaving. My brother graduates. So it was just like high school. He graduates. And as soon as he gone, as soon as he goes, I know I got to elevate my play. So I know I'm coming in next year. I'm gonna start. So I come in as a um as a sophomore and I end up starting, have a good year at defensive end, played with uh um Jim Slomka was the other defensive end. Uh, great dude, great dude. Jim Slomka and uh, uh, Gary Graves at, at Nose Guard. So great guys. And then what happened was um, my junior year, Coach Sutton calls me in. And we had a, the class 94, great dudes. I mean, these guys took care of me as plebes. I mean, just great dudes, man. They were, I love them, man. The guys in 94. So we had a big offensive line my sophomore year, but then they all graduated. The only returning starter my junior year was going to be Ed Stover. So Coach Sutton calls me in and says, hey, listen, and I thought I was in trouble. Calls me up to the office. I got to walk up the hill to the stadium. <laughs> so I'm like, that's no joke. That's not, that's, not, that's not a small hill. I know. So I'm like, damn, like, I'm going through my head. Like, what did I do wrong? What trouble did I get into? I didn't know I got into. So I get up there. He says, listen. Um, how would you feel about playing offensive line? And I was like, well, I mean, I, I haven't played offensive line, but ultimately I'll do whatever you tell me to, coach. He goes, but there's a catch. I was like, son of a B. I'm like, what's the catch? He goes, we also need you to play nose guard too. I, I said, what? He's like, yeah, we need you to play both. Because I was at this point in time, I was like the biggest guy on the team. Now. I mean, I was big off getting bigger and bigger on the offseason. 
So my junior year, I started at left guard and seven, it was either seven or eight. No, it was eight out of the 11 games. I also played some nose guard. And the irony is, here's the funny thing, is that I remember we played Rutgers in the Meadowlands that year. We lost by two. And if I recall correctly, there was no lineman that got Ranger team that week. We just didn't produce. We lost by two. I got Ranger team as a nose guard instead of being a lineman. So then what happened is um, after, uh, as soon as the 94 season was over, you come in, you have the final team meeting in Washington Hall, and um, you say goodbye to the seniors. You're a little emotional. You love them, but, hey, it's over. you got to turn the, turn the page now. As soon as they left, uh, I remember I got up, Jim Cantaloupe got up, and we closed the doors behind them, and boom, now it's our, it's our, it's our time to take over and be full-time captains. And uh, the beautiful thing, and I always tell this to people, one of the, probably the, the biggest honor I have was being elected team captain because I remember my brother, when he was team captain, they used to switch captains each week. And then they, I think I think the coaches just appointed it at the end of the season, whereas the, my year was the first year where the players actually voted for it. So knowing that your players that you play with and your brothers, that they voted for you, I mean, that was the greatest honor I had. No question. So that's how I ended up becoming team captain. But here's what's cool about that. I'll tell you a little backstory is that my oldest brother is that my oldest brother, Ted, his last game playing Navy, they got slacked. They got beat up pretty good. So he told me the story. It was actually about a year ago he was home, and he told me the story of how he was the last person out of the locker room. He was crying. It was the last game. He was off. He played. He was playing left guard. So he comes out. My brother Dan would have been two. I would have been less than one. So he comes out, meets my mother, my father, my sisters, and he picks us up. And what's cool about that is that he picks up Dan and he picks up me. It's his last game. He loses to Navy. And what's cool about that is he's sitting there holding us. And little do you know, God has a sense of humor because twenty something years later, he's holding two future Army football captains. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Um, we have a, a comment from one of our viewers here, uh, watchers. He said he was at the Rutgers game at the Meadowlands. Remembers that offensive run right down the center of the field for a TD. Try to ran me over. Uh, he wants you to talk about the Notre Dame game, Joel. Oh man, that is so hard. Do you want to talk about the Notre Dame game? So Notre Dame, man. Notre Dame. Uh, I mean, we were favored to lose. This is a great story. This is a great story. So we were so here's what I always did for my games. So back, I don't know how how it was with you, Steve, or, or what they do now, but we, you'd have your Monday meetings, and you'd get your press releases and all everything on the scout the scouting report, right? So what my tradition was, I take the scouting report and I cut out the picture of the player I'm playing against. I go to the secretaries, have them make me copies. I always put one on my mirror in the barracks. I put one inside my hat, and I always put one inside my, my pocket. So every every day that week, he traveled with me. So, I mean, there wasn't a bigger game for us in Nordane. We were favored to lose by like three or four touchdowns. And so that entire week, I knew that Paul Grass Manis, uh, he was the guy. He was the all-world nose guard. And, um, I mean, we played well against him. We smashed his mouth. And so he ended up – so all week – I had, I, I would literally, I would, I'd walk, I'd take my hat off, I'd look at them, I'd meditate on them. 
all week I listened to this song, Nine Inch Nails. I want to F you like an animal. I want to F you like an animal. I just kept, I mean, I did. I meditated. Closer, thing. closer. Yeah. So um, this is a great story. So I end up, uh, so we we go, we play Nordane. We're supposed to lose by three or four touchdowns. The biggest heartbreak of my life. I'm still so thankful we went for two because back then you don't have the overtime rules like you do now. I'm a firm believer. Live on your feet. Don't die on your knees. We went for the two-point conversion. Unfortunately, we didn't get it. Hardest heartbreak of my life. So my senior year, I'm at, uh, I get invited to go play in the East-West Shrine game. My roommate was Pete Kendall. Tackle from Boston College goes first round to Seattle. So the first night we're there, we're at this big round table eating dinner and people are starting to finish dinner and they're starting to get up and leave. And Pete Kendall's sitting next to me to my right and he's talking to this dude across across the way. He's wearing an Air Force hat. And I'm like, dude, who the hell is a dude from Air Force? I can already tell I don't like you, because, but I didn't see nobody on the roster from Air Force. Well, come to find out, I'm picking up a conversation Honest to God, true story. Absolutely crazy. I said, wait a minute. I put two and two together by the conversation he was having with Pete Kendall. I said, wait a minute. You're Paul Grassmanis from Nordane. He goes, yeah, I'm I'm Paul Grassmanis. I said, I'm Joel Davis, left guard from Army. He goes, yeah, I know who you are. You kicked my ass the whole game. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, time stood still. I mean, because look, when you have a grown-ass man tell you, to your face that you kicked my ass the whole game. I mean, I didn't. I don't know what I said to res- how I possibly came back or what I said, but I remember like being so. That's the last thing. I mean, I would have expected him to say, "Oh yeah, tough game, tough loss, you know, good fight, this snap." But to outright say, "Yeah, I, mean, I-, I know who you are. You kicked my ass the whole game." I was. I don't know what I, I don't know what I said, but I was. Time stood still. <laughs> I was shocked. Joe, <laughs> if I had to, if I had to guess, you probably like, yeah, I did. <laughs> man, there was um we we look it was man it, it I say this jokingly to a lot of my teammates when I say my life would be different had we beaten them because had we beaten them I probably still would like Nordane my players who I coached they probably could have wore their Nordane shirts but that's one game if anyone asked me what's the game I wish I had that's it and it's funny is that recently a couple years ago I went back and I coached or I went and um talked to the prep school and it was when um Wolfolk was uh was there as a GA and I already knew what he was going to say and I was talking to the kids and I kind of told them that story and I said the moral the moral of the story is you make them speak your name you make your enemy speak your name you make your coaches, you produce so well that your coaches speak your name. And I said to Wolfolk, I called him out. I already knew what he was going to say. I said, you tell him right now, what was the hardest loss that you had to suffer? He, without a doubt, without hesitation, he said Oklahoma. And I knew he was going to say that because his Oklahoma was our Notre Dame. You know, yeah. you could have won. You should have won. You were right there. But it just didn't happen. But at the end of the day, you still don't regret playing those games. And like I told, I told the players, I'd rather lose with them than be on the other side of the field and win with them. That's the brotherhood right there. Win, lose, yeah. or draw. I used to literally, uh, you know, I used to talk about this with Ed Stover. Ed Stover was the right guard. He's also my illegitimate son. But, um, <laughs> like, when we would take the bus ride from the hotel to the stadium, you know, I'm sure the average person would, like, be 
be like visualizing how they're going to do a play. I never did. I would put on some hard music and I literally, I just envisioned like, you know what? Screw the helmets, screw the pads. Let's all just meet up on the 50 yard line and let's just fight. I mean, I literally had, to, I, I, again, I, I know it's barbaric. I know I sound like a Neanderthal, but that's literally, I'm just being honest with you. It's like, I didn't visualize, oh, this is how I'm going to do this play. I didn't. I'm like, let's just fight. I knew that, you know, a lot of times when we play guys, they're going to have bigger, faster, stronger guys. That's cool. Let's fight. That's that's kind of like the – and I, I totally admit. I totally admit it sounds like Neanderthal, but that's where I was. And when I and so when I was playing O-line, that was my mentality that if I get my hands on you, I'm going to – I mean, that was the whole goal. Get my hands on you. I'm always going to win. If I got my hands on you, I was going to win. But it, go, it goes back to, you know – tribe mentality man i mean you I can agree. say it's not neanderthal or whatever but it's like i know the boys i'm with amen right the guys i got behind me the guys next to me there is no doubt that if all these guys line up against you guys on the 50 yard line there's no way there's there's nobody that would ever take anybody else amen. because because joe just like you told me when i was 18 years old no matter what do it for the guy on the left and right of you. Amen. Amen. All right? That's it. That's all. That, at the end of the day, do it for the left linebacker and the right linebacker while you're playing middle. All right? There was all. And, and uh, you can say you didn't visualize. You can say, you know, you know, but you, you did all that prep. All that visualization was done during the week when you had that guy in your hat, your mirror, your locker, your the the – the, the bathroom, you know, at the stadium, right? Um, you know, it, th there's something to be said about preparation and just that mentality of refusal, right? There's, there's no way I'm going to show up on Saturday, right? I got, I got too much to lose. I got, I got my boy, I got my boy to my left and right that is working his ass off as well. And, uh, I'll be damned if he's going to look at me like I'm I'm slacking. See, my thing is that um, when I went to – when they transitioned me and I started playing O-line, for me it was all just a physical game. And with the triple option, it was all physical. If I got my hands on you, you were done. Yeah. Um, if I stayed at nose guard, I probably would have played in the NFL longer. Nose guard, I love nose guard. Nose guard is awesome. I love It's a badass position. I love it. But when you play O-line, there's something very magical and special about fitting up, helmet down the middle, get your get your hands under under the pads, drive blocking them, pancaking them, and then hear the uh, hear the air, the life come out of his lungs. That is that is an <laughs> orgasmic feeling. It really is. And I know that sounds and so, but here's what's funny is that so I thought like at West Point, I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna get bigger bigger and stronger and i'm gonna dominate more so then now fast forward now you go to the nfl that's not how the nfl is the nfl is dude it's technique i mean don't get me wrong you gotta be physical still but it's technique 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 and that's something that i i it was difficult to try to adjust to for someone like me but uh you know when i got like i say when i went to o-line it was like all right i'm just gonna keep getting bigger i'm gonna you know dominate even more because if i got my hands on you you were done um it was just and that, that's that's that here I am. I'm 48, so I'm an old man over the hill. But even now, 
you miss that physicality. I mean, you miss being with your boys. You miss the camaraderie, but it's like, I still work out. I'm not saying I'm in shape. I'm not as strong as I used to be, but you know what? It's like, I would still love to just fit up on someone and hear the air come out of them. You know, it's just, it's that physicality that you miss. Yeah. It's funny you talk about that. Cause uh, I was talking to uh, Benny K today and he said, remind Joel about that Oklahoma drill that we did where I knocked him on his ass and uh, asked him about that. So I, I, I was looking for the right time to bring it in, Joel, and uh, that seemed like the perfect leeway. Yeah, so please, please tell me uh, about this Oklahoma drill. I promise you that. I'm, totally, I'm telling you, that's a mythological story right there. That never happened. <laughs> now, but see, here's here's how special Benny K is. Here's how special Benny K is. People, like I said, we used to always bring guys back to my house. Fat man, we used to roll deep, deep. Benny K was one of the few skinny people who rolled with the fat man. He was a, Benny K was a great dude, so he was able to come back to to Casa Davis and and eat with uh, Mama Davis and everything. So yeah, man, Benny K, great dude, man. I want to talk a little bit about the Fat Man's Club. We'd be remiss if we didn't uh, yeah. talk about how that started, Joel, and the camaraderie. And you talk about the camaraderie around, around the team, but that offensive line is a specific group where there you got to be a really tight bunch, especially in the offense you guys played in, right? So it was right after our our, um, our junior year. And what's going to change? I mean, I think we finished, what, four and seven as juniors? That's unacceptable. We even lost to Boston University. Who does that? You, it's just not an option. Failure is not an option, and we failed. And that's one thing that, that I used to say and tell people, like, it, you know, when we lose, you can complain that the coach called this. Coach, no, I get all that. But you know what? We are responsible for executing. And I didn't get my job done. You didn't get your job done. And that's where it doesn't matter what play is called. If you execute it properly, we could be successful. Bottom line, we didn't get it done our junior year. It wasn't good. wasn't acceptable. So Stover, Ed Stover, my illegitimate son, he came home. He came back to uh, the Binghamton with me, and we were just talking about, like, look, dude, we need to separate ourselves. We need to separate Army football. I'm talking Army football. We need to separate ourselves and make ourselves special. And you know what needs to be special? The linemen need to be special. So we actually thought about we need to pattern ourselves after, was it was the 85 Hogs out of uh, Washington, the, the Redskins? So we need to, like, come up with our own thing. And Stover, actually, my illegitimate son, actually came up with the Fat Man's Club. So we literally, while he was home, we went down. We had a bunch of hats made up, embroidered FMC. And, I mean, it just took off. And we started to have criteria. You had to weigh a certain amount. You had to have an act of fatness. You need to be able to bench press a certain amount. Um, and it was special. And it went on for several years until that coach, that coach who came in after Sutton, whose name we do not speak of. We do not mention his name. He's the one that took us back to the dark ages. So that coach that came in, he eradicated all that. And um, But the Fat Man's Club was, I mean, people still talk about it. So it does have, you know, an effect uh, that, that does live on, which I'm, I'm glad to, to see. And, and, uh, and, just, and I see guys who I don't even know, and they're wearing an FMC. Uh, and they're several years after me. They got an FMC shirt that they had made. I mean, you love that. But bottom line is um, – the FMC helped transition us. And if you read to read that book, The Civil War, Ronnie Makeda talks about that, how that spring, Ronnie Makeda, you know, he came, I remember we were in the spring ball, Ronnie Makeda comes out, he's facing the huddle and he's saying something. I don't remember what he was saying. He's trying to get us all fired up. 
Now, again, I'm self-motivated, so you don't need to give me a fiery speech. And if I'm effing something up, just tell me. I'm going to fix it. And then the other thing is, don't touch my freaking helmet. Don't ever, like, when you're, when you're cheering people on, don't freaking hit my helmet. I'm going to punch you in the face. So Ronnie is like, hit us in the helmet. And, and Stover, my illegitimate son, said, Ronnie, shut up and call the play. He said, Ronnie, shut up and call the play. Well, Ronnie's still being cheerleader. And then I grabbed Ronnie. I said, Ronnie, shut the F up and call the play. And if you read the book, that's where it, Ronnie mentions it. Ronnie McKay had mentioned the book. That's when I realized it's not my team. It's the Lyman's team. Because we did. We took over. And um, look, we finished the season 5-5-1. Five, five, and one. We lost close games with Notre Dame, Washington, Rice, all that kind of nonsense. So was it was it the season that we wanted in terms of finish up with a bowl game? No. But at the end of the day, it was still special to us. But was, here's what's funny about um, – Here's the interesting story. When I was a uh, when I was a, a plebe, it was during training camp as a plebe, and the locker rooms were far different than they are now. And they used to have all these pictures along the wall with different awards and all that kind of stuff in a different area. Again, the whole thing has been renovated. So my brother, ironically enough, is walking out of the locker room to this hallway where they had some pictures, and he saw me looking. And I said, what's that award right there? And I forgot the name of it. He goes, oh, that's for the most improved player. Trust me, you don't want that. If you get that award, that means you're on scout team for a couple of years and then you became good. I'm like, all right, yeah, I don't want that. I want to be a player right now, okay? So that was as I was a plebe during training camp. And then ironically enough, as a, it was my last spring ball. I never took spring break because I was about football. I want to go home, I want to train, get ready for spring ball. So after spring ball, and I had a great spring. Now, mind you, I've already lettered as a as a uh, uh, as a plebe. I was a starter as a sophomore. I went both ways as a junior. Now spring ball, my senior year, we finish up. I have a great spring ball, and then we go. We have a banquet after spring ball, and they give out that award. And I'm like, and so coach Coach Sutton starts talking about it. And I thought he was going to give it to Doug Chadwick, the guy who was my backup, and he also backed up Stover, my illegitimate son. Um, so I thought he was going to give it to Doug Chadwick. I'm getting ready to clap for Doug Chadwick. Then he calls me out. And I'm like, well, damn. And I'm like thinking like, okay, my brother told me you never want that because that means that you were a scout team player before. I'm like, damn, I must have sucked for the first three years I was here. I let it as a freshman. I started as a sophomore. I went, I went both ways as a junior. I sucked. I sucked as a player because now I got the most approved player award. Crazy. Hey, a lot of people say that 95 team was better was better than the 96 team. Yeah, that Sal, that's what I was just about to bring up is that uh you know that was one thing that uh Ronnie was very very adamant about is that 95 team was no joke legit uh with talent. Um, the schedule was legit. Um, and, and he just said, you know what? Sometimes it takes a team like that to propel the next guys to take that next leap. Uh, and he fully, like when we had him on, there was no doubt that he said that if it was not for that 95 season, there's no way that 96 team could have been as successful as they were. Um, so, uh, you know, well, there, you know, coming from, coming from a guy, uh, Joel, this is hard for me to admit. And 
I don't know if I've ever said this, um, but, you know, look, 0-4 against Air Force, 0-5 because we played against Navy Prep. I'll count it. Mm-hmm. 0-5 against uh, Navy. Um, so, you know, in all aspects in your mind, I'm a fucking loser if we're going to be, if we're going to be true. Now I was ended, I was ended, I was able to end it on a bowl game win. Right. So I was able to like, I was at that game. High note. I was at that um, game. But, um, you know, Ronnie, Ronnie talked about that 95 team had depth. It had talent. It had guys across the board that was no joke. It just, it was not time for to to showcase that ability. And you guys showed the 96 guys, the juniors, how to be winners, how to be relentless. Um, And that's ultimately what uh, propelled that team. And and, what happened was, um, and and Ronnie said it, I mean, he was straight up. He was like, look, without those 95 seniors, there's no way that 96 team goes what they do and does what they do. A couple of things. Number one, I certainly aren't going to take anything away from those 96 boys because number one, uh, I said, I'm talking 97. Right, number one, Joel is Roddy. Shut up, call the play. All right, right. <laughs> That's but, number uh, one. Those guys from All 97 right? who played the 96 season. I mean, those are probably the two closest classes, my year and their year, because even nowadays, I mean, they're indistinguishable. When we get together uh, for tailgates or whatever, it's indistinguishable. So, I mean, I'm definitely flattered by the fact that they think that and believe that, and that we help contribute to their success in '96, but. Kudos to them at the end of the day because I love them all. I mean, they're they're just a great great bunch of dudes, man. So kudos to what they did. But here's an awesome, a quick awesome story is that it was the Monday after we beat Navy my senior year. Uh, the soup called me and Jim Cantaloupe in. Jim Cantaloupe was the defensive captain, so he calls Joe, us. Do you remember off. the soup's name? Uh, you had to ask me. I forgot. No, no reflection on him, bad or indifferent. I just don't remember. If you said it, I would know it. I don't even remember. But he calls us to the office, and we go see him that Monday. I'm almost positive it was that Monday right after the game. But basically, he wants our opinion, Jim Cantaloupe and me. He says, hey, um, ask us a couple of – congratulates us on the win, season, all that kind of good stuff. Ask us a couple questions. And he gets down to brass tacks, and he says, um, what would be your thoughts? Would you vote to keep Coach Sutton? Or would you uh, vote to let him go? And without hesitation, both Lupe and I both said, no, no, no. He needs to stay. You leave Coach Sutton here. Coach Sutton needs to stay because uh, we told him, these guys are right there at the precipice. They're about ready to punch through the door. They're going to take it through. And then thankfully it happened. But here's what here's, here's, I'll even give you another tidbit. This is another great, interesting story that very few people know. I, I had the honor to, to go to the soup and be able to take Coach Sutton's back. When I was at prep school, again, when I was at West Point, I was supposed to be the GOAT, and I got cheated out of it. My senior On graduation day, I thought I was going to win a couple grand. I'm, we're marching up to the, uh, to, the, to the stadium. I'm celebrating like I just became the GOAT. And I realized that I got cheated, that someone beat me by 0.003. So I was disappointed. Because back then, thousands of dollars is a lot of money. So I was disappointed. Well, guess what? When I was at prep school, you know how, Steve, you said you got in trouble at prep school? Very few people know this. I actually got kicked out of prep school 
and reinstated the same day. I actually, when they were given the assignments and confirmations to West Point, so what happened is I come back and it was always a race. You you would leave your last class to come back for lunch. You go to your company area. You look on the board. This is in the and you would look because if your name was on the board, you had to go see the soup. This is at prep school. So fast, fast, uh, go back in time. I'm at the prep school. If your name is on the board, you go see the soup. And if you go see the soup, you know you didn't cut, you didn't make the cut for academics. You gotta go. So I'm beating it every day. I'm coming by. I'm like, damn, I beat it. I beat it again. I beat it again. Well, sure, sure enough, we get to the last count. I come back, my name's on the board. I'm like, son of a bitch. I'm like, I didn't make it. I didn't make it. So I go, I go see the soup. He tells me, he's like, hey, I'm so sorry to tell you this. This is a really good story. He goes, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but, uh, you know, I, I just, my heart goes out to you. You're just a great, great guy and a great player, and I know you're going to do well. And, I mean, he's more, more broken up about it than I am. But regardless, I leave his office. I go straight across. I go back to Coach Nelson's office. I don't go to the company or anything. So this is lunchtime. I go straight back across. I go to Coach Nelson's office. I go in. I said, hey, I just got kicked out for academics. He's like, what? No one told me about this. This wasn't supposed to happen. I said, well, I'm just telling you I got kicked out. I said, as a minimum, as a minimum, can you at least call Syracuse, see if I can get back in the Syracuse crap hole of the world. So Coach Nelson, is, and mind you, there's no cell phones back then. There's no, no nothing like that. So I'm sitting in his office for hours upon hours upon hours. Coach Nelson is trying to make phone calls up to West Point. He doesn't understand what's going on. Well, here's here's the irony of what happened. I don't make the cut academically. Uh, one of the coaches, I don't remember who it was, told my brother, who's a junior, told my brother that I was getting kicked out because I didn't make the, the cut academically. My brother leaves the cadet area, goes up to the hill, goes up and sees Coach Sutton, goes to Coach Sutton and says, Coach Sutton, I'm telling you, my brother is going to be an impact player. I'm telling you, my brother is going to make a difference. You need to do whatever's necessary to get my brother in here. All the while, I'm sitting in Coach Nelson's office, not knowing that any of this is going on. Coach Sutton is calling down and getting an appeal on my case to get another hearing, to get it extended. That to give me another window of opportunity to further increase my grades. So he, Coach Sutton falls on the sword for me, gets another hearing to postpone me getting kicked out. So it's late at night now. I've already missed dinner. The AD, I forgot his name. He comes in, bursts into Coach Nelson's office, white as a ghost, and says, hey, do you tell anybody you got? He bursts in. He goes, what are you doing? I said, nothing. I'm sitting here. He goes, did you tell anybody you got kicked out yet? I said, no, you haven't given me the chance yet. He goes, you're still a cadet candidate. We got an appeal on your case. You still got time. Go back to your cadet area. You're still a cadet candidate. But I, did, I forgot what the metric was. I had to improve my grades, my academics by a certain metric. I don't remember what it was, a certain window. So I, so time goes by, like let's say another two months or whatever. And I'm sitting in the dining hall one day. Commandant, a cadet, comes in, or the, 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 the superintendent at the prep school, he comes in, bends over, whispers in my ear, and says, congratulations, you're going to be a cadet at West Point. So I, then I stood up and he gave me a hug and everything. So Coach Sutton, my brother fell on the sword for me. 
Coach Sutton fell on score for me. So no sooner does that Monday come after we beat Navy, I'm able to go in and fall on my sword for, for Coach Sutton and say, nope, he needs to stay here. So that was an absolute honor for me to be able to do that. And that is, that's glory to God right there. That's God working in supernatural ways. And I know people watching this. I know people who watch this and say, well, wait, West Point, duty on your country, sir, and you didn't make the – say all you want. Say all you want. I get it. I get it. I know I'm. I, I know some people will look down on me because I I wasn't a star man or any of that nonsense. But no, no, no. At the end of the day, I was an Army football player. I'm glad I went to West Point. I have no regrets that I played Army football by any means necessary. Whether I got kicked out and re I have no problem sharing that story because you know what? There's going to be someone else out there. They don't think there's a way. They don't think there's a pathway. Just like we talked about at the beginning, you will it to happen. There's always a way by any means necessary. You find it. Yeah, and. Uh... You know, I think I think people get uh, you know wrapped around the 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 cadet, you know, the West Point officer, right? Um, it's just not. There's look, we all. What it comes down to is you know the brotherhood, man. And mm-hmm. I, I'll tell you what, it it always. Um, you know, even as I see these young guys, you know, Joel, we, you know, we talked about it earlier. These two, uh, these two sophomores wanted to leave South, right? We talked about it, what, two months ago now? Yeah, probably. It was right after, right after the bowl game, pretty much yeah, a week right after, after the bowl, bowl game, game or something January. like that. Yeah. We had, uh, two young sophomores, um, what, what the running back and the receiver. Yeah. Tyrell Robinson and Isaiah Austin. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, Hey, you know what? Uh, not about this life. Right, they went public with it, and guess what? What was it two weeks, Sal? Yeah, it was. It was within a probably less, probably less. Yeah, yeah, two weeks or less. Hey, now nah, we're staying because they realize they probably realize that nobody's gonna give uh, anything about them it, it, more than the people at the academy. All right, you, Joel, you had your brother there. If it wasn't your brother, I guarantee you, somebody would have known something about you. It would have been another player at prep school. It would have been another player that knew about you from where you played football at in your home state. In your home state, they would have fought for you. And I went through the same thing, man. I had uh, Coach Bobby Ross came down. Coach Kawika talked to me. Right? They were like, No, 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 no. You you don't. You're 18 years old. You don't know what you're talking about. Let us let us show you, um, you know, at least try West Point. And uh, I, I've never been so, like, just that I, I understood what it meant to, to have somebody fight for you. Because, you know, I was right there with you, Joel. Like, it wasn't academics for me. It was uh, extracurricular. <laughs> um activity that 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 came it came into play um but you know somebody went to bat for me and you know i'm an infantry officer i've been in for 11 years now and You're stunned, man. You're i'll, stunned, I'll tell you man. what um i love serving this country uh i and I'll, I'll continue to do it as long as they allow it amen amen Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have some news on some transfer portal news on the good side for Army. So I'm going to have some news this week probably on that. Um, 
And you look at the match drills. They showed match drill videos early this week, um, I believe. And you look at Tyrell Robinson. He's right at the leading the – group, the group's running to another station, so to speak. And you see Tyrell Robinson. Looks like he has a smile on his face. So, you know, um, like you said, Steve, Steve and Joel, I mean, the brotherhood is strong. And we'll, we'll see what happens uh, come spring when spring practice starts, if right? You can, and it's all, you look, can't be, these guys only make each other sharper, man. If you can't these be, these guys only make each other better in every aspect, whether it's academic, whether it's, you know, uh, football, whether it's, you know, just meeting, the, meeting somebody out at the bar. These guys all make each other better um, in every aspect of the way. What I was gonna say is that if you can't if you can't be excited about Army football now, this era with what with what Coach Munkin is doing, I mean, you got no pulse. I mean, they're yeah. bringing in bigger, faster, more athletic players nowadays than than, than we were when we played. I mean, to, to give you a quick my my quick story with Coach Munkin is um it was when they had after they fired um. Coach Sutton, I think it was the second year after Coach Sutton was gone, and they had that coach whose name we do not speak. Um, my brother Dan and I went to an Army game, and after the game, we want we I think we I'm pretty sure we ended up winning. Um, we go into uh, Mr. Hall, Dickie Hall brings us in. We see Moose and all the trainers, and they're all loving on us, and me and Dan and everything. They're all loving. Us. Everyone's all oh yeah, you know, happy to see us. All that stuff. You know, you feel at home. Mr. Hall introduces us to the coach whose name we do not speak. And he could have, he, he was so disinterested. So Mr. Hall was like, oh, this is, this is Dan Davis. He was captain 92 team. This is his brother, Joel Davis. He's captain 95 team. Mr. Hall, so like proud to introduce us to him. This guy didn't care a flip about us. Nothing. And that was the whole stigma. So my brother and I afterwards, we looked at each other and you could tell we felt like uh, like five cents waiting for change. Right. So um, now fast forward all these years, man. So I go to um, I go to a couple um, golf tournaments. I'm not a big golfer. It is what it is. But I, I would I'd always go for the dinner afterwards. Number one, because I'm fat and I want the food. Number two, Joe, go this year. Joe, I'm going. Hey, this will be my first one. I'm finally making it this year. That's good. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go for the dinner on Saturday. I won't golf. Maybe I'll go for a dinner. I'll kick it with you. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna golf. Joe, but, um, I'll pay your I'll pay your green fee. Just go. <laughs> I ain't worried about the money, bro. But here's what happens. So I go to the so I I go to the um to the the um was a couple years ago when we played Houston. We just smacked Houston down there in, in Dallas, right? So I go to that game. So it's that Friday before the game, and I'm with a bunch of boys from my day. And we go to the stadium. We know that the team is doing their walkthroughs. So we figure we'll go to the stadium, say what's up to everybody. So while we're going to the stadium, we start walking in. I said, hey, I'm going to go hit the head. I'm going to go to the bathroom. So they all go to the field. And I'm walking in the stadium. Now, I, I had been to a couple golf tournaments. Uh, I only golfed one of them. But, um, again, after for the dinner, Coach Munkin, you know, everyone wants to talk to Coach Munkin. Like, look, I'm not going to bother the guy. You got bigger fish to fry. Big, more important people to talk to than Joel Davis. As I'm walking to the bathroom, he's walking out. Literally, we've almost bumped into each other. And I'm like, it was our bathroom moment. He's walking out. I'm walking in. So I said, Coach Monkey. He's like, yes, sir. 
I said, Joel Davis. I, was, I graduated 96. I was cap 95 team. He's like, oh, Joel Davis. This is man. Where'd you travel in from? I'm like, oh, I just came from New York. Oh, New York. Routes in New York. Binghamton. Oh, yeah. Binghamton, you got the this and you got that. He, I mean, this dude's, you want to talk about expressing interest in who and what I was. I mean, dude. So it's like, what a difference between Coach Munkin and the coach whose name we do not speak. So Coach Munkin, I said, so I said, so I'm holding, I'm still holding his hand. I'm shaking him. And he's a little dude compared to me. He's a little dude. So I pull him in close. I said, look, coach, you just make sure you win tomorrow because after you win, we're going to be looking for, we're going to plant your statue back at West Point. And he started, <laughs> he started laughing. He goes, oh, I don't know. I think I need some more wins before that. I said, no, coach, you're doing your hand in your business. Just so you know us old timers, we appreciate what you're doing. We love it. But I mean, what a difference between this guy doesn't know me from Adam and the way he, by knowing that I, the other coach wanted nothing to do with alumni. He wanted to purge the system, got rid of the fat man's club. And I get it. Change, change can be good depending on how you do it. This and that. But he wanted to purge everything, purge the alumni. The alumni weren't welcome. Take all the pictures down, take this down, change everything. Coach Monkey is bringing it back. I mean, look at the skull and bones. Look at the stuff that he brings back with pride, with honor. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, we yeah. had we had skull and bones when I was there in 2010 with Coach Ellison, man. Yeah. Uh, and and our saying was bring it back, you know. So, um, yeah, that 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 uh, you know, I wasn't there, and I didn't I didn't feel that quite the impact of the coach that we will not say what yeah. he did to the program. But I mean, we, we can see it, it. We can see that you know. Um, there's no question. He took us back and we were not resurrected until coach Monkin came. Yeah. Coach Monk. And you, here's the funny thing is that I'm the first spring ball I went to. I remember when I got to army, when I got to army. I remember it was one of my first few practices where it was a padded practice. Someone got hurt on the field. Coach Sutton says, blows the whistle, move it up 10 yards, move it forward. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm like, this guy's hurt over here. This guy is hurt. How, how are we just going to move it forward? I'm like, man, these guys, like, this is all, this is crazy. So then a couple of years, uh, you know, I'd go and I'd see some of these other other coaches. And it's like, you, you guys were like, bump, like titty bumping. And then when wow. I go to, I go, to the, I, go to one, I go one of these practices with Coach Munkin, first one I saw, first pattern practice, someone got hurt. He blows the whistle. Move it up 10 yards. I'm like, yeah. we'll have a B. I'm home. I said, finally, we got us. We got some. Joe, Joe, I've been, uh, I've been coaching my kids. My, you know, my, my oldest is seven now. And my, uh, I just had a newborn in December, but I got a five year old. And I know Joe do the same thing. Anybody goes down, I'm like, nah, I don't care. Five yards down the field. I don't care if you're seven, five, six, doesn't matter. We're going to move the, we're going to move it down. We're going to keep okay. playing. Mom and dad can come take care of you. You'll be fine. Uh, but you got to know, hey, next man up is a real thing. No doubt. It's, that's why I say, man, I'm, I'm proud to say that I played Army football, but there's no question. They got yeah. they got better athletes now, bigger, faster, stronger. And, I, dude, kudos to you. And they, I, I remember I've heard some people, and you're always going to get the old grads, oh, that's different, and, oh, well, look at all the facilities they have. Good. Good, let them get better facilities. I saw there was what one of these guys got picked up with the was it the USFL or something like that? The oh, USFL. Scott Flanick, yeah, long snapper. Um, USFL, I mean, yeah. I don't care if it's the U. What's the other one? They got the USFL now. What's the other one? I don't. I 
I think the, the XFL. The XFL. Your boy, The Rock, just bought the XFL. That's. I don't know? think that's coming out this year, but oh, is it? Regardless, man, it's like maybe in, in later. I hope these guys, whether they play in the NFL, the USFL, the XFL, the ABC, I don't care, man. It's like you're not going to get football out of your system. It, it's never going to leave you. So play as long as you possibly can. If these guys can get out and play in these other other leagues, I mean, just to – and maybe they're not going to make it to the NFL. Who cares, man? Just let them play. It's good for them. It's good for the military. The bottom line is, is, is look, play as long as you can. And, and Joe, you know this, but – uh look man it's a mentality all right it's, it doesn't it doesn't just look last time i you know my last aspirations were uh i tried out for the nfl in 2014 2015 right it's 2022 i don't care i'm still that's my mentality man that's, no, how, I mean, that's man. how i'm raising my kids Amen. that's how i coach kids Amen. around the neighborhood like it's all the same like you 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 just gotta have that mentality um, otherwise, and that's the best part about Army football right now. There's so much talent. Yeah, there is. So many gifted individuals that have not only the God gifted, but they have the structure. They have the coaching. So you got, you got what, two sons? I got, got I got two? three now. I'm, I'm three, three? three. I got, Dude. I just had, uh, I just had my third son in December. So Dude, I'm seven, awesome. five and a newborn. That is awesome, brother. That's awesome. I got a I got a five year old girl. She's gonna be six in May. She's tall. She's awesome. And then uh, yeah, well, Joe, I'm five ten. My wife's Puerto Rican. Okay, she's like five <laughs> one. Okay, it's it's not gonna happen. But you better get you some linebackers, baby. That's right. My, that's uh, right. We're gonna be okay. All right. My son, my son just turned four, and he's uh. Man. But see, it's like my kids, my kids, my my my, my son, my my daughter. They're like, I want this. I want, but daddy, I want. I don't care what you want. It's what you need. Hey, uh, Joel, we have um, – real quick, um, Ed Stover wants to hop on, maybe. Ed Stover, my illegitimate son? Yeah. First of all, tell me this, Sal. How long have you been following Army football for? I wouldn't say – well, following I, – I was a beat writer starting in 2007, Stan Brock's first year. And um, I had covered a couple Army-Navy games. And believe it or not – let me send this to uh, Ed real quick. Believe it or not, I covered Todd Berry's press conference when he was. Whoa, 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 oh, whoa. All right, uh, we're out. Sal. We're out. We're out. Sal, I didn't. I didn't. I don't appreciate you cussing on this show like this, Sal. We're, no we're out. What, did he say? Did he say? Uh, it, was uh, garbled. it was garbled. It was garbled. It was garbled. Who said cod out in the? Uh, it was garbled. I don't, I don't this is where we. This is where thing. we edit. This is where we edit the podcast. You know, <laughs> we'll edit the podcast. But I did. Ca- Cover the guy that we don't speak's name exactly. of um, introductory press conference ninety nine I think ninety nine right that, yeah. that was my first introduction to Army football and um, did a couple you know what I covered believe it or not I covered two of his five wins at Army they were both against Tulane at West Point and uh, our beat writer our beat writer was doing Yankee games. He was doing Yankee playoff games, so I was kind of like the backup to the backup to the backup, I guess. And nobody wanted to do the games at the time. I'm like, I'll do them. And um, eventually I was able to get the beat uh, from 2007 to 2018. And ups and downs, you know, saw some really rough years. Was at the bowl game to see Steve's win, incredible game. Was at when Army broke the streak 
you know, against Navy. What I can't even to this day hard to explain the euphoria after that, right? And um, well, I hope I hope you know you personally. I hope you know personally how much we as old timers appreciate what you do by keeping us all together. I mean, you're bringing my my illegitimate son at Stover on. Yeah, we hey Ed, you were on our reunion show, right? I mean, you were on you were on our reunion show that we did for the '96 team, I believe. '95 team we did the reunion show. That is absolutely correct. Yeah, that is correct. What's incorrect is Joel is my son. Um, He knows it, and we don't go into that any further south. When I tell you, when I tell you about that diet, when I tell you about that diet, (laughs) you better get a refund. (laughs) <laughs> what's going hey, on sal how you doing i'm good hey real quick how could we have a 95 reunion show without joel davis on it what were we thinking i i no, i, I get invited man i well, think I- here's the problem if you invite eric um that's what i called him that's what i named him um and joel brew and myself it could quickly uh, disintegrate into something you really don't want it in sal i mean <laughs> there are many a trips to Binghamton that we could talk about. And uh, um, and uh, I, I need to take this moment uh, in all seriousness. Uh, Mrs. Davis passed away this year. And uh, like she did so much for our football team and uh, class of 96, just going back to Binghamton. So uh, we, as we talk about reunions and family, um, please don't let, let me take this opportunity to say uh, thanks to, to Mrs. D for everything she did for us and uh, just Amen. remember as the great woman she was. Amen. Absolutely. The thing, the thing is, Sal, is that no one can ever deny as bad as things were, whether it was stuff as a plea, going through Buck Nam as a yuck, anything, as bad as things were, no one can ever deny that we did not have fun. I mean, you could have locked us up in solitary confinement with a uh, a six by six wooden block, and we were going to find a way to have fun with it. I mean, uh, yeah, this I think, is uh, no, no Joel, kidding. This, Joel this week, I, I think that's what I think that's what it all goes back to. Is man, I'll tell you what, West Point is one of those places that you hate while you're there, man. Yes. Like it is, it sucks. It <laughs> is gray. It is stone. It is, it is. Uh, <laughs> Very structured, but I'll tell you what, the times at Miss Davis's house and the the weekends you get in, in Newburgh or the weekends you get out, um, you create memories um, that it doesn't matter, Joel and, and Ed, it doesn't matter how many years go by, there's going to be memories between that team and how it actually propelled you guys to be closer, how it propelled you guys to be better, and how it propelled you guys to work harder for one another. Because guess what? We don't get to enjoy the Thirsty Thursdays as most colleges, okay? <laughs> we, 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 live, we, we do live for the weekend, and it, mm-hmm. no matter where it is, whether it's at a boy's house, whether it's, whether it's, it's in uh, Highland Falls, I'll tell you what. Those memories are created, and guess what? We're going to work that much harder during the week to make sure we don't let anything go to waste. Hey, uh, hey, Sal, Army football honor. This week I had a classmate that didn't play football. She talked about how 
the FMC stole her, stole her MREs and food while we were at Bucknam. Uh, and we had so much fun where everyone else was losing weight in the, the battles that we had to do during summer training. When we, it was Mike Wells, Joel Davis, Ed Stover, Bill Blair. Um, we were Our all at Brian Tucker. Yes. We were all in the same platoon together at Camp Buckner. And we not had enough, a not enough we, had, <laughs> we had a blast. And even, even, you know, just cadets that didn't play football remembered how much fun the FMC had. Hey, there ain't, there ain't many times uh, the government's uh, lost money on MREs. I'll tell you what, <laughs> that, that lineup you just said in one platoon, yeah. You got our platoon, our platoon was that. Again, man, that, that's divinity right there, man. That was God's divine order. <laughs> all together, man. Because that was, we, that was, we a, had that so was much a logistics fun. officer's nightmare. Oh, no, 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 no. Listen, we had so much fun. Our, our NCOs loved us. Uh, our lane walkers loved us. Um, we, we worked a little trade out. We learned a, a, yeah. how the Army really works. Um, it was amazing. And I'm telling you, when we played down in Duke, guys showed up that trained us that summer, and it was it was just things that you yeah, would just never but, remember. Yeah, that goes back that goes back to the mentality of the team, man. You guys didn't bullshit no training just because you were football players. You didn't bullshit training because you know you were getting MREs or whatever. Like y'all, y'all had a had a had a mentality that hey we're here now we're gonna we're gonna do training right we're gonna dominate right and those guys remembered you they probably came for brag didn't they uh so our lane workers were were bragging uh um 101st out of campbell yeah uh, and guess what when you played at duke guess who came to those games yep yep brag baby, baby. that's right Let's absolutely go. they did I'm i mean saying. they came and and I got to tell you, and Sal, remember when we were we, when we had the reunion show? Uh, a couple things that resonate. One, uh, Monkey calls it the last of the hard, and we called it the national champions of toughness. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's that we're the select few, right? We're the guys who decide to go the harder route, right? Anybody can play college football that has the ability. It's a different breed that chooses to do it at West Point. Um, and I was part of that different breed, and you know, it was. I, I'm so fortunate that I made that decision because I'm a better person for it. I've got brothers um, that you know that would just the experience is like no other. You can't. You you can talk all the junk you want about you know. Oh, I went to this academy. I went to that. But going to West Point, being the last of the hard, being the national champion of toughness is a different mentality. Hey, and where are you living at, you man? Talk about where are you living? It, there were teams that that tried to walk in there, and you know what? Hey, we we fought to the last minute. So I mean, uh, last second, and that's just the way it goes. Hey, so you, are you East Coast or you West Coast? Say again. Are you East Coast or West Coast? I'm West Coast. All right, I was gonna say because you're still talking like it's nine o'clock, man. Like <laughs> I'm trying to round it down. Now you get me all fired up, man. I'm about to uh, uh, open up another bottle. And get after a little bit because you're talking all excited. 
I, I, I got to tell you. We got like, Joel over here. Joel and uh, Sal, it's midnight running. <laughs> you get us all fired up now. I, I, I'm, I'm going to try not show. to. But, Sal, you remember, I got caught the last time, right? I tried not to. But, like, you start talking Army football and, and, yeah. and smashing skulls. and, and hey, I, there's only one way to talk to about you. it, baby. There's only one way to talk about right, it. Let me, let me bring this up, Sal. Go ahead, man. Since Stovetop was here, because Stovetop started as a sophomore on the O line. So when I came, Stovetop, how much of um, how much of our show did you see so far? So I literally got on, and you were talking um, about. I, I think what you said was, "Hey, the coach that we don't speak his name was the first thing out of your mouth, and that was, you know, that was so, enough for me to say, how do I get in?'" So you missed quite a bit. So you gotta go back and watch some of that stuff. But the um, Stover, who started as a sophomore. So when I came over as a junior and I played, I started at left guard and I played nose guard that year. Stover would have started the only sophomore with the guys from 94. And the guys from 94, in my opinion, and I'm sure Top will agree, were huge mentors and a huge impact on us. No question. Because 94 guys, not only were they a bunch of great dudes, they were close like 96 guys were, but they were players as well. You take that old line. So when Coach Sutton brought me up, because, again, those guys were all leaving. That's why he asked me to come and start at left guard and also play nose guard my junior year. But I would be remiss if, I, if our success and the way we the way we were, uh, the 96 guys and the 97 guys, I would be remiss if I didn't give kudos to those guys from 94, Asco, Muir, Prehar, Maddie, C., all those guys. Because like my brother, so when we're pleased, my brother is a firsty. I mean, there was what? I, I mean, like how many Stovetop? How many seniors were there? Not including the senior managers, there was what, like seven of them or something. something there crazy. was not many. There were not many. Seven. Whereas the guys from '94 stayed together. The guys from '96 stayed together. The guys from '97 stayed together. You know, um, and the '95. Don't get me wrong. The class '95. The you know the Joe Ross. I mean, dude, Joe Ross is our guy, man. We blocked for him. There were some great dudes there, but I, I personally, again, when I was at when I was a sophomore starting a defensive end, I roomed with Slomka, Slomka, great dude, Gary Graves, Maddie C, Prehar, Esco. And those are the guys that, that those last guys. They're the guys who raised me on the O line, right? Up. Like like Matt Conway. Troy Prehar, uh, Kevin Muir, um, I mean, and I was a de- so when they when they're all starting on offensive line, I'm a defensive end. But dude, Maddie C, uh, Muir, Prehar, I mean, even let's some go, let's go, let's go. But even like the skinny dudes, uh, uh, B Rice, Slutty. I mean, when I was a plead, these guys were looking out for me, bailing me out, taking care of me. I mean, that's what it was all about. So by the time I'm a junior and a senior. You know, and that's the way we were. We were taking care of those young pups coming through, man. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, look, we we do not mention the the coach on name, but yep. it just it, it cannot be enough said when you're, you know, and this is this is anything, man. This is a company commander in the infantry, or it's a corporate five hundred CEO, right? When you come in. And take away the basically the fibers or what built the success that you have, right? You just want to get rid of it. Um, 
just doesn't end well, man. It, it just it, – it, it's frustrating, um, especially as you look back on history, right? Right? You know, 2020 vision is great, but, man, it, it just – you know, I, I, you know, as a 2006 entering the prep school at 2006, having Benny K as my first mentor ever, right? <laughs> uh, he was the first mentor I ever had that was associated with Army football. Probably couldn't have asked for a better one, you know, as a linebacker, um, you know, and, and where he wanted to get it back to. Um, that's just where it, it kind of, Benny K would be someone you want to play for, man. Benny K, yeah, would be you and want. you know, and I got so many, I got so many one-liners. Uh, oh man, no doubt. From <laughs> no doubt. from Coach no Kawika, right? Not 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 forty-four, right? Not the guy you guys know. I got Coach Kawika, you know, you know, fucking Iraq veteran, you know, Apache uh, pilot. Uh, there's some, there's some. Benny handles his business, man. Benny handles. Yeah. It doesn't matter but where he goes. What it goes back to what, what I'm what I'm trying to bring it back to is, right? Army football throughout history is a successful organization because it has leaders at all levels. You have freshman leaders. You have coaching leaders. You have military leaders. All everybody wants this program to be successful. Nobody is ever a part of Army football and they wanted to say, you know what? Uh, we're going to take a break this year. It doesn't matter if we win, right? It, it just doesn't happen. Um, and to be able to just hear you guys talk about just all, all, all these guys that I only know by, you know, stat sheets and, and stuff I've read, and hear you guys just talk about just the impact of the program is um, when we know, were so top. It, it's it's what makes the brotherhood great, right? When we were when we were at um, it was the photo day going into our senior year, and uh, the reporters were there for the photo days, and they asked me some type of a question. Um, it said something I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like. You know, if our, if you guys have a good season this year, you know, I mean, you could probably pull out a, you know, a seven and four season. And I'm like, seven and four. Well, who the hell are we supposed to lose to? You know, I mean, I was taken back by the question. Like, you already got it predetermined that we're supposed to be seven and four. Please enlighten me. Who the hell we're supposed to lose to? I, I couldn't understand that, and that's the attitude we went into. I get it. I get it. We finished five five and one, not where we wanted to be. But like Stowe said. We took you. We took your ass down to the minute. We took your ass down to the minute. So who? I don't even remember how he posed the question to me, but I remember being like, "Who the hell? You please, te- please enlighten me of which games? Because I'm not going to show up. Why even play the damn game?" Well, you know what you're talking about, Eric. What you're really talking about is uh, when you turn around and you talk about Wisconsin and Michigan. Both of them are losses. The difference is, my boys will strap it up, and we can do it again next week. And Michigan is like Tennessee. They're paying money to get out of that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's what it comes down to being an Army football player. We'll scratch and fight and claw and we'll battle and and we'll do it again next week. Right? And, and we just go at it all the time. And, and that's, why it's like, that's like when you see when you see Coach Munkin, especially that COVID year, and he's like, we'll play anybody at any time. Dude, you're my guy. 
Yeah, right. You're my guy. You're my guy. You know what I really love though? What I really love is how it's it, it bleeds over into Army rugby and it's bled over into Army lacrosse. And you know what? Army's women lacrosse, right? I love the fact that it goes throughout the core. If you want some, come get it. Come to the come play West Point and you can get it. It doesn't yep. matter the sport. And I love the fact that Coach Munkin is supporting all these mm -hmm. other teams and 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 the mentality because for the ones that don't go on and uh, participate in the world-class athlete program to the ones that get an opportunity to go to Oxford and study same way, same thing as the guys who go on to the NFL and try there for those, for those people who don't do that, they become army officers. And even those that do it and become army officers later, you still want that mentality that, Hey, listen, I'm going to lead my troops and I'm going to bring them home. And that's, that's what it's really all about. Right. I mean, Kicking ass, taking names, and let's do it all over again. And so, yeah, I think recently uh, Coach Muckin had uh, um, talked to the Army women's basketball team. I think last week it was maybe before their last home game or something like that. So I think that what the athletic department has done is right, Ed. You're on, you're on top of it. The coaches are, you know, you look at Army hockey too. I mean, they're, they're, there's a lot of respect. There's a lot of respect factor there for each program, and Absolutely. it's really it really shows. Um, Man, we could probably we gotta do Joel Davis part two, I think. <laughs> I think we gotta do Joel Davis part two because we're really there'll be a lot of stories. There'll be a lot of story. I mean, I think we still have more, man. Oh, and we haven't even you didn't even have me on here, Sal. If you didn't have me on here, there's no way you have stories. I've got some stories for you, but I'm gonna have to get my other son, Fat Brew, to come along with us. So it'd be the FMC. So Joel well, Davis part two. I want to be the FMC That's, so that I can really tell stories about this young man right here. Hey, hey, Joel, Ed Stover, producer of the Black Knight Nation podcast, coming up with ideas for the Black Knight Nation podcast, right? I mean, on a Sunday night, almost right now, Monday morning on the East Coast here, um, we got Ed Stover. We're going to have to we have to get him on the payroll, so to speak. Well, <laughs> we, have, we have ways to go there. Um, Where's Steve-O at? Where's Steve-O? He'll be coming back. We'll, we'll, once Steve comes back, we'll sign off. Um, guys, if you're um, if you're watching this, it's the end of the podcast. But please check out our YouTube uh, channel. We have all the all the uh, podcasts from the past. Ben Kotwick is on there. Ronnie McCade is on there. Mike Mayweather's on there. Elijah Riley, Cole Christensen, Ali Villanueva. Um, I'm hoping to get another guest next Sunday. Um, a quarterback from the mid '80s of Army. Might be popping on here. So um, we'll have the Fat Man's Club Part 2 Joel Davis story coming up soon. And, uh, man, we have some good stuff. Please check out Black Knight Nation too. And, um, man, I guess uh, this has been this has been a blast, Steve. You and Joel got to meet each other for the second time. Not the first time. The second time. So. Yeah, we said extended. They'll hit me up. This is They'll the first time up. we got to conversate for real. Exactly. I was in receive mode the first time. Yeah, I ended up uh, – when Sale first hit me up, he said, yeah, he asked me about a date. And I said, what about Steve-O? He's, he's off uh, doing NTC. I said, no, 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 no. We got to wait. I said, I need Steve-O. Yeah, yeah. Look, Steve, so, you know, not that Steve-O couldn't the show, so but Steve-O was the first, like, 2006, right? 2006, 2007. I'm not sure what time of year that was. It was prep school year. It was my culture shock to the United States Military Academy. But, uh, <laughs> you know, me and Joel have conversated a few times over Facebook, over text messages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, 
you know, we I, I like to believe we think very similarly. Big time. And, uh, That's scary. And I'm glad you got on here, man. I, dude, when I saw Ed Stover's name pop up, I was like, is he is he coming on too? Oh shit, we about to we about to get real up in here. We might go another hour. So hey, uh, we can. Stop uh, before they before, know, stop before man, they cut us look, off. Don't is, worry. This is what it's about, man. Hey, look, before, Joel, so. Ed, this is what it's about. You guys mm-hmm. are. Uh, are, are are amazing man i like i remember reading about your names hearing about your names i got to meet joel when i was a young 18 year old and uh this is what the brotherhood's all about Amen. all right and yeah. it doesn't matter if you know we go 10 and 2 the army football it is great to be an army football fan right now Amen. all right yeah. it's great i can i can chime in every saturday and know and expect a win Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, we just hope, you know, just like you guys did to me when I was a young guy, um, you know, I just hope that these guys try to get a little more perspective um, at 18, 19, 20 um, at, while I'm at, at 33, 48, you know, 50, whatever, <laughs> whatever we're at. So, hey, don't throw numbers out there, Steve. Don't throw numbers out there. That's why we got to give kudos to Coach Monkey for giving us an awesome program that we could all celebrate yeah. and cheer on together. And ultimately, we also got to give kudos to Big Sal for even putting this podcast together. Hey, yeah, no yeah. question. Black That's what I was going to say about this podcast. That's what it's all about. It's about building the brotherhood here, too, right? Where people and if we didn't have you, Sal, I, I, I didn't see anybody else picking up the torch, but Sal picked up the torch and Sal did it. So, Sal, this is you, what- Sal you may not have played Army football, but you are an integral part of Army football because you're the conduit that helps, helps keep us together. How else? I- I'm in New York. How else am I going to talk to my illegitimate bastard son over in Washington if it wasn't for you? You know, hey, guys, disregard all that, Sal. I love you, son. You know, you know how they, you know how these kids get these days. These young whippersnappers, no respect. I said, hey, I sent the child support check. It's in the mail. No respect. It ain't going to bounce this time. No, it ain't no respect, guys. It's incredible what we're able to do here. I mean, Steve, I still remember that Pete Dawkins podcast that we did a, a few months back. Um, that was just the, we had them twenty minutes, but just the stories you hear from there are just unbelievable. Hey man, hey the the bloodline runs deep, and I don't care what you call it, it's a bloodline. Amen. Okay, it's a bloodline, you know, and and that's just what it is. So, um, we'll do this again, and we're, we're going to continue to talk Army football every single week, um, really until you know. Until the good Lord decides to take me, exactly. uh, and then I'll have to do it from heaven, I guess. Amen to, that. Amen to that. Yeah. Hey, just real quick, we have uh, you, you guys know Christian. He says it's good seeing you both here, Joel and Ed. Um, awesome, Joel. So, we talked we talked about the the Notre Dame game uh, earlier. Um, your thoughts on that? And um, he also said that the golden era of Army football, ninety four, ninety six, golden era. Well, so Christian, uh, not gonna go, not gonna relive that uh, that game. But just so you know, my little brother found some tapes, and it had the Washington, Duke, and Notre Dame games. And so I started hitting these guys with clips. <laughs> hey, I started hitting these guys with clips, and I mean, it was so. If you if you want something, Sal, tell them to tell them to get in touch with me, and I'll I'll start sending them highlight clips and. Me throwing jokers out the club, escorting them out, talking a little trash, asking them why they got scholarships, 
What are they doing on the field? All politely, though, as a, as a gentleman and cadet should. Um, I just, you know, if he needs those clips, I do have them. Well, we're going to do this again really soon. I think the Fat Man's Club podcast is certainly <laughs> in our future. Um, Joel, Joel and Ed, great seeing you guys tonight. You too, and a great getting some great – Steve, fantastic stories. Um, just amazing stuff tonight. And it's that's why we do that's why we do this. So, um, guys, mm-hmm. like I said, check out us on uh, social medias. Check us out, flyconnation.com, YouTube channel. Got if you guys got anything you guys like to plug before we get go off, Joel or Joel or Ed. Ed, I'm so proud of you as a father. Don't worry, the check is hey, going to FMC MOB. Don't listen to him. <laughs> MOB, hey, Sal, we love you. We appreciate you, Sal, Steve. Thank you guys. Yeah, we'll link up soon. All right, even if it's not on, uh, not even if it's not on the 18th, right? We'll we'll have dinner afterwards. All right, Joel, this year. July 15th. All right, brother. Hey, Steve, you owe me a dinner because you're talking to my son. Didn't even invite me, but that's okay. (laughs) All right. Hey, I got you. I got you. All right. All right. There we go. All right, right, guys. We're out. Later. You guys be good.